Great to be here. Thank you for the uh, worship. Praise God. Amen. My happy place is in the presence of the Lord, worshiping with his people. If you asked me where I would, if I could choose anywhere on the face of the earth to be, this is where I would be, with God's people, worshiping. Amen. Now, Pastor Brett is not here, and so I don't know if he's streaming or not, but I just want to say, Pastor Brett, all is forgiven, and you can come home. I think we should give him a round of applause. He's doing a great job. He really is. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm, I'm just kind of waiting here for a moment to see. Uh, as we were worshiping, I just, uh, in the Lord, I feel like that one of the things that God is saying to you, us as a church is that uh, he wants to birth worship songs in the midst of the church. I think there's coming a release of the anointing of God to take us into a, a new dimension of praise and of worship that is coming out of the revelation of what God is bringing here, bringing to you, bringing to this church. And it, it'll affect not just you, but it's, it's the kind of worship that becomes infectious and it goes out. It goes over the wall. It's like, uh, it's like the river that begins to overflow its banks and streams are, are taken out of it. It's not something that we look to glorify ourselves in is just a natural product of worship. I was ministering in, uh, and I'm going to try to keep my stories few, but at my age that's hard. <laughs> in fact, we were singing that song uh, about the Ancient of Day, and, and when they started singing, and at first I thought they were singing the Ancient of Rays, but uh, <laughs> it turns out it was just Ancient of Day, so I appreciate that. <laughs> I was in uh, Uganda, and I was out at Lake Victoria doing a pastor's conference at a camp, and there were 35 pastors that were there. Each of those pastors was over 50 to 60 churches, and they, they walked. I mean, when they come to a conference, they walk. That's how they get there. Some of them walk for days to get there. And so they were being very gracious to, uh, I was traveling with a friend um, who was a missionary to London, and... Uh, they were very gracious to us, and they sang songs in, in English and sang songs that we would all know. And I thought, this is great, except that they're not worshiping out of their own heart, out of their own culture, and who they are. And so I challenged them to do so. Now, these are very primitive situations. We had one fluorescent light, and that, and that was it, no PA. And, and, really, and no instruments. So we were, we were singing a cappella, and, and they began to sing. They took the admonition, and they began to sing. And then they began to jump. If you've ever seen them, they can jump very high. And the Spirit of the Lord hit me, and I began to jump with them. And I have quite a bit of inertia and gravity to overcome. <laughs> but by the power of God, <laughs> I was able to jump with them in the same height. And, and the guy that was traveling with me was just <laughs> shaking his head. But you see, when God is able to express himself through his people, there is a supernatural release of the life of God. And that's what we, I, I, we my wife and I, Anne, when we first came in, we sensed the presence of the Lord, we worshiped, uh, there was prophecy, there was song of the Lord, and we have been searching for a number of years in this area to find a church that has what you have. Amen? I, I was confused at first, though, because the singers, the two singers that were up here for several weeks were, were both very pregnant, and I thought, is that a requirement? <laughs> it was confusing, and I thought, well, I'm not going to be a singer in this worship team, you know. <laughs> But God so captured our hearts. We went home, and for the first time, of all the churches that we have visited, all the way, I mean, in a large loop, we went home and said, we feel good. God met with us. God was there. And uh, we met uh, Bertie uh, when we first came in the door, and then 
I think it was the second service, she got up and prophesied and sang this amazing song of the Lord like she did today. And uh, I just thought, wow, this is not, this is stuff that, that I preach, that I teach in, in other places because I'm privileged to be able to minister around the world. And in fact, we have with us today some people from the church in Plano that I started 36 years ago. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Rita Kopecki is here with us, and she's an amazing prophet and preacher and teacher, and uh, so thank you for coming. I do appreciate it. I want to talk to you about the priesthood of the believer, and I'm, I normally, when I, when I preach a subject that goes from Genesis to Revelation, and this idea does, I start in Genesis, and uh, I didn't think you'd want to be here that long, so uh, we're going to go to Revelation. Chapter 1. Would you turn with me there? I really love this book. I'm always amazed by it. I've, I've, I've actually taught it a few times, and every time I go back and read and study, I'm, I'm I'm absolutely amazed. Let's, let's pick it up uh, around verse 4 where John is writing to the seven churches which are in Asia, seven historical churches. Grace to you and peace from him who is and was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. What an amazing passage. I mean, when, when John is writing, he's writing what the Father has given to the Son, the Son has given to John, and John now is giving to the churches. And he, he writes to us, and he tells us some very important things. First, he says that this Jesus is the ruler over all the kings. Now, he'll develop that the, in, in this prophecy. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But we must, as the people of God, always recognize that the Father has put all things into the hands of the Son. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the one that rules and reigns. When we come to the throne of grace, we're running to his throne where he distributes grace and mercy. Uh, I, uh, here's another story. Get them while they're hot. Uh, <laughs> I was in, uh, this, ooh, this is 1970 something, in Portland, Oregon. I, was, I had begged the Lord to either let me go to seminary or Bible college, but uh, the relationship that I have had with him is based on what he has done in my life and the revelation that he has brought in my life. And this church was a, a good church, probably about 900 people in the, in the sanctuary each Sunday. And they had prophecy and they had song of the Lord. They had all the things that we are, we are talking about uh, today. And uh, the Lord began working in my life to kind of increase the prophetic on my life. And uh, I was praying one day. I don't remember anything special about the day, but I'm praying. And all of a sudden, I, I see myself in a vision. And I began to prophesy. I mean, I was waxing eloquent it was powerful it was incredible and I open my eyes and I'm in the midst of this church and everybody is dead because the nature of how I viewed prophecy and authority took life rather than gave life and from that point on, I mean, literally for several months, every time I prayed, I would see myself dressed in a centurion kind of outfit with, with weapons and armor, and I was standing there, sensing that authority and power, but I was standing next to the throne, and I was watching Jesus dispense mercy and grace. 
and speak life. You see, sometimes we think authority is about being authoritative, but it's not at all. And if we look at apostles and prophets, they don't sit on top of the church. They come up under the church. They're the foundational ministries to the church. When we minister in those capacities, we're going to equip churches to be able to do what God has called them to do and release them in it. It is never a control situation. It wasn't long ago that uh, there was an organization, I don't know if they still exist so I can plead the fifth here, uh, that if you had a church of 700 people and you had $936.50, you could become an apostle. That's the truth. And there were a lot of respected men who were so hungry for that recognition that they paid that fee and they got their little plaque and there it says they're apostles. Nobody can receive anything lest it be given him from heaven. That is the way it is. Okay, let's look at this in, uh, in uh, bah, 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 first. After the ruler of the kings of the earth, it says to him three things. Who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. This is a theme that comes all the way from Genesis with Adam, uh, where God places Adam in the garden, and he says to tend and to keep. And if you look at those words in the Hebrew, the word tend is the same word they use in ministering to God in a Levitical sense. Let's be honest. Here Adam was, buck naked, in the garden, and there was no power tools, no lawnmower, no tiller, no hoe, no anything. His tending to the garden really was not about him working. It was about him being a priest unto Almighty God. And the fact that he uses the word keep, it's the word to be a watchman, to guard. And, and Adam's responsibility was to guard the inheritance that God has given us. And you and I, which we will look at in more detail, are also called to be in the house of God, the garden of God, as priests to God and to minister to Him. Too much the church is focused on us, as the prophetic word or the admonition came to us today, focused on me and me and me. Now, I love it that God comes and heals he delivers, he speaks life, he does all of those things, but that is not why we come to church. We come to minister to him. I prepare everywhere I go to, to minister. I pray, I study, I do, the, I do the work, but quite honestly, if Jesus comes and takes over the service, that's okay with me. Okay, And I, and I come to minister to him and to let him be glorified. And so in reality, I mean, we, we take it from there and we can move from Adam and Eve. We can, we can go to Noah. We can go to Abraham all the way through until the New Testament. And here it says that Jesus loved us. I like it when we get those as the first thing said. You're here because he loved you. And he washed you. These are terms we understand. But when we get to the by his blood part, I think that the interpreters have done us a little disservice because it actually the word is much more than just shed his blood. The word has a much more violent aspect to it. It is that Jesus was executed. He was murdered. And so by his execution, we have been made priests and kings. And the reason I think that's important to us is it gives us a, a focus on the price that was paid to bring forth a new generation of kings and priests to stand in his presence. And so when we look at it, when we look at this whole new covenant, this new creation, this new Jerusalem, this uh, new priesthood, it is at an incredible price. Now, I know I had a family member murdered, and I can tell you 
the violence of that is not something you deal with easily. And so when I look at the disciples looking at Jesus being crucified and them not really fully understanding what has happened because they saw him do miracles and, and, and healings and deliverances and he, he fed the multitudes. I mean, it was an incredible three years for them. But when he was crucified, their life was completely shattered. And that's what violence does to you. It shatters your life. So I understand when I look at this, that this execution, this murder of Jesus, there's a lot of people that preach that Jesus didn't suffer on the cross. And I go, but it's by his sufferings that he was made perfect. And the reality is we can never take this away. Now, Jesus doesn't really belabor the point with us. Most of the time, he's talking to us about life. He's talking about blessing. He's talking about the good things. But it's something that if we're going to be kings and priests, we have to keep in our mind because he's the king of kings and we are kings under him, vassal kings. He's the high priest, but not according to the Aaronic priesthood, but a different priesthood, the Melchizedek priesthood, a completely different priesthood. And so we're going to look at the things that the attitudes that we're supposed to have when we come to the house of God and what it is we're supposed to offer. Now, a number of years ago, when I was a young man, five years, uh, I was living in a house ministry for the aged. <laughs> no, just here. I was living in a house ministry. And uh, so they called from Nacogdoches, Texas, Stephen F. Austin, for us to come down and to witness on the campus. And so we went down and we stayed in the house with some other Christians there. And it's time to go to bed. And I laid down on the couch and was going to sleep. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to pray. I said, great, I'll pray. So I just began to pray. I didn't feel the need to get up. I just laid there and, and prayed and talked to the Lord. And I found myself caught up. And I was caught up before the Father. As soon as I realized where I was and who I was before, I was taken to the cross. And my hands and my head were buried in that very rough wood. And as I looked up, there were the feet of Jesus, and his blood fell on my head, and it was like tears that fall down your face, warm tears that go down your face. And at that moment, I knew how acceptable, how pure, how desirable, how wanted, how loved I was. I began to weep. And I, I, I kind of regret that I had that response. I wish I kind of stayed there. I don't know what else Jesus would have shown me. But I got up and I ran out of the house weeping. So when we talk about becoming priests, it is by his blood. It is because he has made you acceptable. It is because he has valued you, desired you. It is because... He wants to gather you unto himself. And from this, I want us to understand we are the most privileged people on the face of the earth. We live in a day when people are talking a whole big school of thought is that the, the elite should rule the country. Well, I got news for them. You're the elite. You can clap. That's, our, that's the truth. We are the elite in God. We are more privileged than any other people because God, by the blood of Jesus, by that violent death, has brought you close to him, into his presence, to walk with him, to know him, to minister to him, and to exercise authority in his name. Go with me to... Uh, Revelation chapter 5, I thought today that the songs that uh, Brent chose 
I thought he'd seen my notes or something. Thank you. The Holy Spirit does that to help us. Now, I love Revelation. Chapter 4 deals with the throne room of the Father. Chapter 5 deals with the investiture of Jesus as the King. And we see the, the worship that goes before the Father now is coming to the Son. And I, I want us to look at, uh, in verse 6, And I looked and beheld in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth, then he came and he took the scroll and the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And so when he takes that scroll, the, uh, the elders began to prophesy and they began to say, uh, you are worthy to take the scroll for you were slain and have, say it with me, redeemed us to God by your blood of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. The fact that God has repeated himself is really quite amazing. He'll fi we'll find it in 1 Peter. We'll find it in the book of Hebrews because it is a, not just a theme, it is a reality. And what I want you to understand is that when you come to church, we, we know that God's going to minister to us because that's his nature. That's who he is. But we don't come to get ministered to. We come to minister to him. We come to stand as priests and to bring something, as our sister exhorted us, to bring something to the Lord. And we want to look at that because it becomes something that is so very, very powerful. So on Saturday night or on early Sunday morning, you should be preparing yourself to come to the house of God. This is the first day of the week and it's the most significant day of the week. Because it's the day that we have chosen to meet together and to see God move by His Spirit. To see God speak to us through the Word. To see God release songs and song of the Lord and worship and if we have an attitude of I am coming to minister to you then we have an active attitude now we have such good worship in here I thought well Lord you know I'm kind of preaching to the choir here but the fact of the matter is our need to know that we are important and valuable before God is something that weighs on most of us all week long we struggle. The enemy just comes along and thumps us on the head and says to us somehow, you really don't matter. And then we take it and run with it. How many of you know that you can look at people around you and know that God loves them? But when you look in the mirror, you're not sure that God loves that person. I have a problem because this old fat bald guy gets in my mirror and I can't see myself anyway. So, <laughs> Loving the love of God, the value of God. He wants you. He desires you. When you get up in the morning, he is someone you need to meet with. When you go to bed at night, he should be on your mind. This is a relationship that God set out through his blood. It is an irrefutable relationship. So when I come to church, if I don't feel like ministering or I don't feel like singing, I take off my garments, I put on my beautiful garments, my garments of praise, and I come and enter into his presence and worship him and minister to him. You know, there was a day when I was, I was so crushed. It was 1974. A number of things had taken place. And I was, I mean, I was broken. 
and I was in a church in Los Angeles that I eventually was going to go on staff uh, in, and we, the worship team started worshiping, and the worship came, and I, I just, the spirit of the Lord kind of fell on me, and I just broke, and I wept, and I wept, and I sat down because I was weeping so hard. I wept through the whole service. And yet I could feel something from God. And the amazing thing was it was not directly from God this way. It was from God through his people as they began to worship him. The next Sunday, same thing happened. I'm sitting and weeping, broken. Same feeling of, the, of, of God's love through his people. And they weren't praying for me. They weren't looking at me. They were just worshiping the king. The next Sunday, the third Sunday, it was better. I didn't cry the whole service. And then eventually I made it out of that crushing, and I learned this about the church. When the church worships, the life of God flows through this way, and people are healed, and people are changed. You see, when we talk about we want a church that's alive, it is not God that we have to convince It's one another. We have to get up and come to the house of God and say, He's Lord. No matter what circumstances we're going through, He is Lord. And so there is this, this incredible, uh, you know, if you're, if you're having a hard time and you're feeling really weak, my suggestion to you is to get in the midst of people who worship. You know, and just see them as big fat sheep who can pick you up and just hold you during the worship service as God heals your life. That's the nature of it. Because the devil's doing one thing and he's trying to run you away. Yep. Keep you away. Cause you to, to believe all the lies that he said about you. Now listen, in this room we probably have enough failure and struggle. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we would probably walk out of here and say, I, I can't even believe that we're saved. Am I talking to the right people today? Yeah. Okay. You know, but the thing is this, is that it says that he loved you. He cleansed you. And he shed his blood and made you something and gave you purpose. Made you a king, gave you authority. Brought you to minister before him and before the father as priests. So it's not about your failures, it is about his success. And I can tell you, you could, I, I, you know, I know this isn't true, probably any ministers here, but some of the ministers down the, the road in other churches, they get frustrated or, or down and depressed and struggling. And I do this little trick, I go to the word and I just, I call it rummaging through the scripture. And I just kind of start turning pages till something catches my attention. And then I begin studying that. And when I am in the midst of studying it, all of a sudden, I'm excited about God. I'm excited to minister to him. I'm excited about who he is and what he's doing. You see, we have to recognize our enemy and what he does and how we can defeat him. Okay, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2, a passage I'm sure you're familiar with. And if there's anybody who could bring me some water, I would appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, let's pick it up with verse 4. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house. Please allow me. Oh, thank you very much. Please allow me to kind of retranslate that for you. You are being built up a house in the spirit. It's not just that you have a spiritual capacity. It is that we are the temple of God, and we are being built up in the spirit of God, and in a place where he comes to manifest his glory and to bring us into a place of freedom and liberty and worship and value. Okay, he goes on, he says, you are a holy 
priesthood. And you're to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So let's retranslate that. You are being built up a house in the spirit, a holy priesthood, to offer up sacrifices in the spirit which are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I don't really like that word acceptable because it means and implies that there are things that are unacceptable. And by the blood of Christ, Paul says in Ephesians 1, we have been made acceptable. And that's what we saw in Revelation, and that's what we see here. We come now to bring sacrifices that are pleasing to God, that delight the heart of God. And that same church that I was in in Los Angeles... Um, <laughs> We were worshiping, and the congregation overtook the worship team. What I mean by that is that the worship team was no longer leading the service, but the people of God had taken it. And see, there's a truth in this, because oftentimes you're expecting the worship team to fix you so that you can worship God. Hello? And so there they are, worshiping, praising God, excited, and you're out there going. You know, one of the things you don't want to say when you get to heaven is, how long does this worship service go for? <laughs> the other thing is you, you don't want to say, I thought you'd be taller. I mean, that's just <laughs> off. She agrees with me. I gotta watch the clock, don't I? I always wanted to put remember Lot's wife under clocks in churches. <laughs> All right. We're to we're a priesthood that offers up sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now let's jump down to verse 9. And this is a passage that is actually taken from Exodus 19, starting with I think six, really. And this is an amazing passage because it tells us who we are. He says, you are a chosen generation. Okay, what does that mean? You're the elect people of God. That's what those words mean, electos. You are the elect. You are a royal or a kingly priesthood. You're a holy nation his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who, were once, uh, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. He takes the original intent of God that he gave to Israel. Now, Israel failed miserably in this priesthood because the priesthood was supposed to be the firstborn male of every family and they would have been a holy nation a nation that a priesthood that represented all the families god was very big about inheritance going back to the people and staying in the family and likewise he wanted all those families to come and be represented before him but because of the golden calf incident and levi stepping up to execute the judgment of god God chose Levi and said, from this tribe, it's going to be the priests. That was not the original intent. But now, in Christ, we are back to the original intent of God. From what he wanted with Adam, what he wanted from Noah and Abraham, from David and the Lord Jesus provided it, and now from the church, that you would see yourselves as people who are called to enter into the presence of God, to come before Him, to know Him. See, the, the new covenant, Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, is simply this, that they all may know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. So when we come together, we're coming to know him, to have this intimate relationship with him and to minister to him. To offer up spiritual sacrifices, Hebrews uh, 
actually says that we're off, supposed to offer up the fruit of our lips to, in praise to God. Now, have you noticed that in the, in the worship team, that when they worship, some songs they hit a place and they just kind of hold the place? You know why they're doing that? It isn't because they forgot where they were. It is because that's a place where God is looking for spontaneous worship from his priests to come and minister before the Lord. If you're not comfortable in singing in the spirit, then sing in your understanding. But it is a place for us not to back off and say, well, I, I, I kind of hope they get on with this song. But it's a place where God is saying, enter in. Come in and worship me. You see, in every service, there is a place where we're ascending into the presence of God and a place where he's descending. And there is a place of meeting. It may be the first song. It may be the fifth song. Whatever it is, it's when I, I've been in services where we're singing songs, and you too, singing songs, and they're good songs. But then all of a sudden, we hit some song, and the presence of the Lord hits us. And we start moving into his presence. And in that place of meeting, God does all kinds of things. The prophetic song of the Lord, healing, exhortation. There's a pause there where, where we're meeting with God. It may be in absolute quietness. Whatever it is, it's up to God what he wants to do. Now listen to me. When we have prophetic words... And we all know that this is what God is saying to us at that moment. What we need to do is remember what he has said and take the worship in the direction of what he has said and what he is doing. When, when I, I think of a service when, when Chris prophesied, and I've spoken to him about this, he doesn't know I'm going to talk about it today, but he prophesied. He got up and he talked about the church and he talked about Jesus. The, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And we were singing that song that we sang today, Jesus, I speak Jesus. And we hit that spot of uh, shout Jesus to the mountains and whatever it is. That portion where it was just power and the church was hitting that power. And he came up and gave us an exhortation. What we needed to do at that point is whether it changes the list or not, we needed to go forward and break down some of those principalities and powers. Okay? And I think our worship team, I mean, they're skilled. They can do it. We just need to release them to do it, to hear what the prophetic is saying. See, it's not enough for you to hear prophecy. You've got to take it and you've got to pray into it walk in it and look for God's fulfillment. Let it alter your life. Let it adjust you. Otherwise, you just have God talking. And let me, I, I've experienced this. God will stop talking if you don't start doing. Because it's a relationship. We're not here just to feel good. We're here to worship God. We're here to serve Almighty God. <laughs> we did all right? Okay. You want to go one step further? Go with me to Genesis chapter 14. It's a book that everybody can find. This is the story of, of the kings, the five kings that came against the four kings. And the, the kings went out to fight. They'd captured Lot and his family. And when that news got to Abram, he's not Abraham yet, to Abram, he took his servants, trained in his own house. And that's a sermon all in itself. Trained in his own house. And he goes out and he defeats these kings. And he gets all of the, the booty back and all the, the women and children. Everything comes back. 
and Sodom, the king of Sodom is out to meet him, and he's trying to, to take some of the stuff and get Abram to take some of the stuff and keep it for himself, and Abram says, oh, no, I've lifted my hands to the Lord, the possessor of heaven and earth, and if I'm going to be prospered, it's going to be by God's hand. As a church, do you want to be prospered by the teachings of men some of which border on the doctrines of devils, or do you want to prosper by the people of God? Hello? By the Spirit of God, by what God says. So this king, Melchizedek, comes out to meet Abram. We can pick it up at... Uh, dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Where am I? 19. Oh, that's why I was in the wrong chapter. Well, that makes it harder. Uh, <laughs> verse 18, then Melchizedek, which is translated king of righteousness, and he's the king of Salem, peace, brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of El Elyon, the most high God. And he blessed him, and he said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And Blessed, blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. At that point, Abram gives him a tithe. We find this, of course, in, in the New Testament. But, in fact, Hebrews 5, 6, and 7, if you want to study about Melchizedek, you'll find a lot of teaching there. Melchizedek, who we don't know, according to the New Testament, anything about. And there's lots of people who have all kinds of opinions. My personal perspective is that this is a Christophany. This is when the pre-incarnate Christ, the Son of God, takes on human form and comes out and brings to Abram bread and wine. We're familiar with bread and wine. We get this picture, don't we? This is a very unusual thing to bring to people on the battlefield. They bring bread and water. But if we had the time to go to the other scriptures, we would see that when they bring bread and wine, it is a gift to a king. And so they bring this out to Abram, and he's blessed. And we, we find what God said to Abram, those that bless you will be blessed, and those that are cursed, curse you will be cursed. The reality is, is in this incredible blessing to Abram, and then the blessing of God, we see a picture of a new priesthood. And we, we find Psalm 2, the Lord has sworn by himself and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And that's prophetic of the Lord Jesus. And the book of Hebrews deals a lot with the high priest issue. And he says he's not a high priest according to the Aaronic, according to the Levitical. He's not even offering up the same kinds of sacrifices because those are fading away. He is offering up himself as the sacrifice, and he is a, a, a priest according to an endless life. What do we have to offer to one another? We bring Christ to one another. We bring the bread and the wine. What do we bring to the world? We bring the power of an endless life and the opportunity to be born again, to be delivered from darkness, to stand in his presence and to know his light and his glory. We are a different priesthood. So you don't need a prayer shawl. You don't need a yarmulke. You don't need any of those things because we have been clothed in Christ. And our ministry is one not just of being a priest, but of being a king and a priest. As a priest, we minister to the Lord and we bring spiritual sacrifices. As a king, we stand in his authority, in his name, and we say things cannot remain the same. You are defeated. You must depart. When we have worship, you should have in your heart and prayer that if anybody is troubled by the demonic, that when that first song begins, the demons flee. Hello. I've seen it. I've seen people fall over in the, in the service. 
in the worship, and we were singing these wonderful songs with big, fat, major seventh chords, you know. Sing sweet song. And the Spirit of God hits them, and boom. You see, we, we are a people who offer up sacrifices in the Holy Spirit. And as God looks upon it, he gets so excited. i got to tell you one more story from the same church. I don't know why I'm on this church today. I'm in the, I'm in the service. This is the one I was started. I just got taken off track. And the congregation took the worship. And the musicians, the singers are up there, and they're they just entering into what God is doing. Not trying to take us somewhere, because God has taken us. And it was thunderous, the praise and the worship. It was amazing. And you, you may not believe me on this, but I saw Jesus step up off the throne, step in front of the throne and go, Because he got excited. You don't think you excite him. You're all, we are people who have so mistranslated things in the Bible. I'm sorry, but, you know, here's one of my pet peeves. Grace. Well, we all know what grace is. It's unmerited favor. Basically says, I love you, but you don't deserve it. Come near, but you don't deserve it. But the word charis is translated, the delight, the privilege, the joy of the heart of the Father. Grace is a supply of life. It's not, the issue of being unmerited is really not the issue with God. I think he got that one. Hello? I think he understands it. I think all of us understand it. I don't deserve it. I'm in a church in London. I tell you what, some of the English churches, oh, man, they go to pray. They have individuals pray in the service. Every one of them has some form of this. Oh, God, I know I don't even deserve to call on your name. I know I'm not worthy. And sometimes I'm ashamed, Lord, that I, I'm even here. But, but you have, have given me grace. Now, believe it or not, a lot of you feel that way. That's not God. That's not how we pray. We come boldly to the throne of grace. We don't, have, we don't have to keep going back to the cross and saying, I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy. We can actually move past the cross into forgiveness, into the resurrection, into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We can move all the way into the fact that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and give him honor and give him glory. Come on. When you come to minister then, don't come saying, oh, I know I'm not worthy. I, sometimes I think the Lord just called us disciples, but it was mispronounced and it's disciples. I think the Lord is just saying, duh, you don't deserve it. But I don't think he ever, I, when I read the scriptures, I never find him making that a point. He makes it a point that you're a special people to him. You're a chosen generation. You're a holy nation. And he has such value for you. He shares his glory the majesty, the, the effulgence, the light of his person and his throne and his kingdom, all of those things with you. You see, to minister as a priest, you kind of got to have that anointing and that glory upon you. And that's why it's so wonderful to come to a church that enters into the presence of God because then we know that we are clothed in light. We know that we are those that are partakers of his glory. We are those that are called to worship him in freedom and in liberty. So I'm going to ask you if you will stand with me, and I want to pray for us. You survived. I just want you to, you don't have to close your eyes if you don't want to, but I want you to lift your hands to whatever degree you can do that.
Lord, we lift our hands to you. May the lifting of our hands remind us of the evening sacrifice. May our voices remind us, O oh God, that you have called us to proclaim your praises. May your presence always remind us that you have taken us out of the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light. And I pray for this church that today there would be a new release. For I've come, says the Lord, to show you my favor. I've come this day to show you my grace in a new dimension. I am calling you up. I am calling you up higher, says the Lord. And I'm going to release something within your spirit. Your lives are going to be different. Your lives are going to be changed. I'm going to cause you to find something new in me. Whether it's in prayer or in the word or in worship, your relationship from this day forward, says the Lord, is going to begin to change. And I'm going to come and visit this house mightily. I'm going to come and shake it, not with judgment, but shake it with joy. I'm going to cause the life to begin to flow and the blessings of God, Lord, to be released. And I just, I, I know some of this sounds very general, but when God says it specifically, and in a setting like this, I think it's something that we need to lay hold of. We can break the power of the enemy in our praise and our worship. You can affect all of Bernie, all of this area, through your praise and your worship, through your ministering to the Lord, for the enemy has to flee before it because we're a company of kings and priests and we bear the authority of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, let your favor flow on this house, as you have said, and let there be increase in everybody's life, deliverance in everybody's life. Lord God, all the things that we worry about, finance and all the things, Lord, this, those are the things that you say that if we seek your kingdom, your sovereignty, your reign, you add those things to us. So today we choose to worship you and to choose your kingdom and your authority and your power because you will take care of those things. I break the lies of the enemy and I speak that word of favor over this house in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship.